Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bird. With me, by, uh, Joe DiBasilio. Joe, how are you today? Paul, good to see you. You're on, uh, you're on mute, bud, I think. No, it shouldn't be. Still can't hear you, my man. Can you hear me, Paul? I got nothing. I got well, while Joe figures out his, uh, oh, you can hear him. I can't hear him. Okay. Um, how dare you? I got. I got how, dare, how dare you, Paul? How dare you do that to me? I, I, I'm my sincerest apology. Apparently, everybody else <laughs> could hear you, but I couldn't. Well, the Orioles they get a they get a four three victory over the uh, over the Haven New York Yankees. Their first win in their last thirteen tries at Yankee Stadium. It took eleven innings to do it. Took a, a play at the plate on a throw by Anthony Santander on a fly ball by DJ LeMahieu to get Ur Urshela with quite the slap in the face at home plate to end that game. But the Orioles come away with the victory four and three, four to three. They stand alone atop the AL East at four and two because the Red Sox handled the Rays in a three-game series after getting swept by the Orioles. They sweep the Tampa Bay Rays, defending AL champion American League champions. They outscore them twenty-six to to. Uh, 26 to 9 in that series to pull out the victory. And there we go. Orioles alone in first place as they come to the home opener tomorrow afternoon at Camden Yards against that, that same Red Sox team. But let's talk about this game today. Orioles, man, this whole series, Joe, was a uh it was a clinic on aggressive plate approach. I guess you can say the Orioles struck out 43 times in the series, including 16 times tonight. Only two walks in this game, and they both came in that 11th inning. What did you see from that game today from the Orioles batters? They only had three hits in the game. First of all, Paul, the play at the plate going through my mind is the Orioles in the win column. Miss you, Joe. Miss you. Um, the, the, this, this series, this – this game had so many little nuances to it that I think have encapsulated the early start to the season here, these first six games. Um, the, the strikeouts obviously being a big part of that. Um, you, you look at the box score and a team that had four hits struck out 16 times, right? And they walk it off in extras. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how that plays out. Um, but that being said, Paul, if you told me at the start of the season that we were going to go on the road to Boston, to New York, and come out of there four and two. I'd say sign me up every time. Yo, yeah, absolutely. If I, there's no way that I was expecting four and two, I was expecting maybe the inverse at two and four. Absolutely. Um, but the Orioles, they, they win four games in those first six on the road. You would have liked to have seen a better showing from the offense, that's for sure. Uh, they actually had four hits in that game when you think about the Chancisco single in the 11th inning to bring home the run. Um, but, look, one of the guys I want to talk about right now is the big story of the year, and that's Trey Mancini. Uh, Joe, he had a nice series in Boston. He comes into this series, seven strikeouts in three games, chasing a lot of pitches out of the zone. He had that walk in the, uh, in the 11th inning there, but he kind of looks lost at the plate right now. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those things, man. It's just, he looks like he's chasing a lot of pitches and just doesn't look comfortable at the plate right now. I, I couldn't agree more. That's, I said the same thing watching the game that he looks uncomfortable. Um, you know, his average is down to 167 now. Uh, you know, obviously it's early. 
Um, but it's it's not the the results as much as it is just how he looks at the eye test. Um, you know, I can't put myself in his shoes as far as coming back from from what he battled back from. Um, you know, it's awesome that he's out here. I, I wonder though, as as we watch this series unfold, how long before we start to see him move down in the lineup? Um, you know, he's been batting pretty consistently in the two hole. Um, you know, do we see? There's not really anyone else necessarily. That's that's hot besides Mullins and Santander to, you know, to come up and supplant him. But that's a question that I have is what's where is he going to be pushed down um, or maybe given a, a day off? I, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I could see them giving him a day off. It's not coming tomorrow. Um, yeah. yeah, not 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 in the home openers first uh, home game in two years coming back from colorectal cancer. And they do have the built in off day on Friday. So maybe that'll give him a chance to get some rest. He'll play the rest of the series. Um, as far as him moving down in the order, I could see him moving out of the two hole, but I don't see him moving down the fifth, sixth or seventh. I think he's either a two hitter or a three hitter on this team. Um, but I think it also has to do with is DJ Stewart coming back tomorrow. Um, is McKenna going to go back down to the alternate training site when DJ Stewart comes back supposedly tomorrow? And then is Stewart going to be your number two hitter? Cause he's got that power. He's got the, those on base capabilities. And then maybe you see Trey, uh, in, a, in a spot in the order where he's a little bit more comfortable, I think he's a little bit more comfortable in a run-producing area, third or fourth. Maybe he just has that extra level that he can find um, once he's in that situation. But certainly looks lost at the plate right now. But, man, they, all of the Orioles look lost at the plate right now. You know, on Sunday they had 17 hits. They scored 11 runs. Um, they walked eight times. And then they have, they have I think, four walks. This ent- no, two walks. This entire series didn't walk either of the first two games in this series. Two walks today in the 11th inning. Uh, just maybe they're a little too aggressive. I think this team is better offensive than that. But the Yankees, the Yankees can pitch. Let's give credit credit where credit is due. The Yankees can pitch. Absolutely. Um, I mean, this is you know this is a league wide problem with the strikeouts, right? I mean, it's it's been well well documented the past X amount of years. It's just sometimes when you look at the approach, was was it the 11th inning after they took the lead that it was bases loaded with one out, and then there was six pitches after that? Was that McKenna and Santander? Santander, and I think that maybe one or two of them were in the strike zone. That that called third strike on McKenna. Not, but agreed, agreed. But still in that spot with one out, and you know, obviously, massively important insurance run sitting there, six pitches. Um, it's that, that's tough. You know, that's, that's a tough, it, you're not going to win, um, consistently over the course of 162 striking out this many times. So hopefully it's something as, as the season goes along, you know, that they can, they can improve on. But like you said, and that can't be understated too. This is a very, very good Yankees team. Um, mm-hmm. the, this is not, um, that we saw what they look like against Boston you know, they went up into the Bronx and kind of got bullied a little bit. Very lucky to to get a win, to get out of there with a win tonight. So let's see. They come home and even somebody like Mancini, like we were talking about, still very early. Maybe need to give him, everybody, some more time to to just play this out and start improving a little bit. Well, yeah, and you look at that at bat, at bat from Santander, and that's kind of what you see from him, what his Achilles heel is, is that sometimes he chases pitches. Now, we thought that we had thought and we hoped – Maybe that had been behind him, been put behind him 
after he goes into spring training, leads the team in walks with 10, and leads the team in on-base percentage. Just an over-aggressive bat. you got to remember that he's still just 26 years old, still making a name for himself at the big league level. And, of course, he wants to come through. He wants to be the guy that comes through in that situation. So you can understand the over-aggressiveness. And then with Ryan McKenna, it's his second career major league game. He comes up in a huge spot right there with the bases loaded at Yankee Stadium, the opportunity to be a hero. Maybe the moment right now is a little too big for Ryan. Sure. And, 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 and that's understandable. He's a rookie playing in his second ever game. Um, the, the offense will get better. Um, something to do with facing a really good Yankees team. And, and let's face it, they are the class of this division. Uh, Orioles are not. Uh, I think the Orioles are a little bit better than a lot of people give them credit for. That doesn't mean I think they're going to go out and win 85, 90 games and compete for a wild card. But I don't think that they're a doormat like a lot of people seem to think. Uh, Picado had them at about 64 and a half wins this year. I see them winning maybe even 10 more games than that uh, this year. So, but look, the offense, it will get better. You can't have guys like like Mancini and Santander and Ryan Mountcastle in the middle of your lineup and not get better. Uh, and I fully expect them to come out firing on all cylinders tomorrow for the home opener. Uh, somebody, um, Robbie R- Raymer, posted a comment. Cedric just cleaning up. What, what an improvement. That's, that's been, been the surprise. He's been the surprise of the season. Am, am I right, Joe? Oh, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's been such a surprise this season. I mean, I, you know, if you would have asked me to put money on his start to the season or whether or not he would even, you know, necessarily be here for that long, um, it's just, it's been awesome. It's been awesome to see he's been hitting the heck out of the ball. Um, you know, hopefully he can keep it going because it's fun. It's fun to watch these young guys. You know, that's such, and you were kind of, I think, touching on this, such a difference from even 2018, you know, they, the, that last year where they were, going for it um air quotes for those listening on the podcast uh and it just didn't happen but now these guys like you said paul it's it's just fun to watch them not only succeed like mullins but also you know that they can get better and and will continue to get better throughout the season and that's from a fan's perspective that's that's fun that's enjoyable absolutely and and, and mullins coming up with that big home run there and uh one of the orders four hits uh, he and Santander both going deep in the second inning there. Um, I'm sorry, in the fourth inning to uh, to get the Orioles that lead and get them back into that ball game. 406 feet. He's got some pop. Cedric, Cedric Mullins getting 15, maybe 18 home runs at the big league level. He still has some pop in that bat. So that was something that was nice to see him getting on base, being a true leadoff hitter. I thought that maybe his on base capabilities weren't going to be there, but he's proving he's getting on base, whether it's with a hit, a bunt single, or – um, laying on an infield single or a walk, he's getting he's getting his turn on on the bags, and he's he's making the most of his opportunities. Um, Josh, who is like the the founder of Birdland Sports, he says any chance Stewart returns tomorrow. I haven't heard of any setbacks. The plan has been for him to come back on for the home opener on on April eighth, unless they like the defense that McKenna provides. I think you're going to see DJ Stewart back and in that opening day lineup tomorrow, whether he's DHing or playing left field or playing right field, you're going to see DJ Stewart in that lineup tomorrow. Uh, again, uh, this is just me going off of not hearing of any setbacks whatsoever. Um, I would expect to see him in the lineup tomorrow. I would agree. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful to see him as well. And like, like you said, we're going to see Mancini out there for sure. There's no way he's not running out on that orange carpet. Um, but I would agree. I, I think we're going to see DJ Stewart tomorrow too, and have to tune in to see. 
Um, another comment from AJ. I apologize if I mispronounced your last name. I want to say McCarvey. Uh, did Solcer clear waivers? I didn't hear that he didn't clear waivers. I think we would have we would have heard if he if he didn't. Uh, so I would imagine that he did. Uh, he also asked if we have any news on Heston Kerstad. As far as I know, he's going to the ultra train, the training site and he's going to train uh, to get back ready to play some minor league baseball uh, coming up here. Guys, I just want to point out real quick, there's no E in Austin Hayes' name. Um, a lot of people have been spelling it with an E. There's no E in Austin Hayes' name. I, I guess it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. But anyway, moving on. Any chance we trade Franco or Galvis to the Padres since Tatis went down? Joe, I'm going to let you field this one first. The Orioles will trade anyone and everyone. Um, I mean, that's that's where we're at. So is there any chance? Sure, if the Padres, uh, you know, did we? They didn't. Did they say what the severity was of Tatis's injury? Uh, it's a, a slight shoulder separation. He's got, got an MRI today. I didn't see the news on that. If it comes back that he needs surgery, he's done for the year. Yeah, that's that's what I saw. That it was getting the MRI. I wasn't sure if it had come back yet. Um, but sure, I mean, if 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 Galvis is is hitting a little bit and the Padres, you know, made an offer, of course the Orioles would listen to that. Um, anything is possible when you're when you're in a rebuild mode and looking to build continue to build and, and move pieces around. So absolutely to answer that question. Yeah. I, I think that the, that the Padres are going to address shortstop. If, if he's out long-term, they'll address it in one way or another. Um, I don't know that they're going to come knock on the Orioles door. I mean, Freddie Galvis is off to uh, is off to a slow start um, this year, but they like his defense. Um, I don't think that the Padres view Freddie Galvis as somebody who's a good replacement for uh for Tatis and Franco doesn't play shortstop. So I can't, I can't see that happening. Um, this, uh, Alikan Salehi uh, saying the Solster had an option, option remaining. That I believe that's the case. So, and if that is the case, he didn't need to clear waivers. Um, I know that there was somebody in the bullpen that doesn't have options. I can't remember who it is. Um, but if he has, if he had an option, then no, he didn't need to clear waivers. That's probably when, uh, why we didn't hear anything about it. Getting back to this game, though, John Means comes out. He makes a start today. Throws ninety-three pitches, just fifty-eight strikes, um, forty-five balls, four and two-thirds innings. He gives up seven hits, one run. Uh, it wasn't the same Means that we saw on on uh, opening day. And more so, it was the John Means that we're used to seeing when he has struggled at times where he has trouble putting hitters away, has trouble uh, finding a strike zone once he gets to two strikes. What I noticed from John Means in today's game, when he got when he, his most troublesome innings, he was falling behind a lot of hitters. And that was, that was a case for the Orioles. Luckily, the Yankees went three for 14 with runners in scoring position. But when the Yankees did their damage tonight, it was when the pitchers fell behind the hitters and that's when the Yankees were able to sit fastball and make something happen. Uh, in the case of uh, Higashioka, who got that base hit in the 10th inning, he just stayed back and stayed within himself and took a nice base hit to right field on a changeup. But that was on a 2-0 count. You can't fall behind hitters and expect to get out to this league. And it seemed like the Orioles kind of struggled to get ahead tonight. Yeah, I mean, John Means certainly wasn't as crisp as he was in Boston. Um but that being said, uh, he battled, uh, you know, without having his best stuff. You give up seven hits and he only allowed one run. Um, so not as not as best up. But like I said, it, 
you're going to have those outings. And I was glad to see him at least only surrender the one. Um, obviously, you need to get deeper than four and two thirds, even if you don't have your best stuff. Um, but it's not like the wheels fell off. So I think that's 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 a positive takeaway there. Um, and then Tanner Scott, man, just to see him coming in. I mean, that that's that's stuff that gets gets you excited watching him drop triple digits and you know striking out Gardner, get, getting these big Ks. I mean, that's 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 great. That's that's fun stuff. And that's what and that's what is, is so great. Why he's so great is that he can he can get you with that you no know, near triple digits fastball, and then he can come back at you with a 91, 92 mile an hour slider that's just nearly unhittable. And when he's in the strike zone, he is unhittable. The way Tanner Scott gets himself into trouble is uh, it, where, where Tanner Scott gets himself into trouble is when he can't throw strikes, which has plagued him his entire career. He's gotten better each of the last two years. But again, I talked about this on opening day on, on this show. He's not going to be trusted in the ninth inning until he proves that he can throw strikes consistently. Tonight was a nice step in that direction. Uh, 21 pitches, an inning and a third, three strikeouts, no walks, one hit. Nice performance from Tanner Scott. Now, on the other end of things, man, Aroldis Chapman just is not fair. He just is – that guy comes in in the ninth inning. He strikes out the side. And I want to talk specifically about the, the final strikeout of Anthony Santander by, by Chapman where he gets him with an 83-mile – that's not a misquote – an 83-mile-per-hour slider for strike two and then a 101-mile-an-hour fastball for strike three. How do you hit against that? How do you get 83 mile per hour slider and then try and hit 101 mile an hour fastball? Paul, you and I have talked before about, uh, you know, some of these guys that we would get a kick out of facing the opportunity to hit against. Chapman isn't one. I would want nothing to do with that guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's big. He, he throws just like you said, the, the difference between those two pitches is just, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, And then on the other side of the dugout out marches, Mr. Valdez, um at the other end of the spectrum so that that was a great yin and yang to see those two uh back and forth um but but it's it's filthy when he's on and the hitters don't know what's coming um shout out jose altuve then he's very 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 tough to hit well and then let's talk about valdez valdez what did he have three strikeouts in two innings pitch he gave up one hit and that one hit happened to come with a ghost runner on second base in the 10th inning with two outs. Again, fell behind on the count 2-0. But that guy pitched a whale of a ball game coming in in relief uh, in the ninth and 10th innings for the Orioles. Gives up one hit, and it hurts him. With that in mind, do you like this role of having a, sec- a, a runner on second base to start the inning in extra innings? It certainly quickens the game, but is it baseball to you? I saw you tweet about that in the game. I, I can't stand it. I, I don't think anybody who's who's played the game or, or has been a fan, you know, for a long time. I don't know how you can like it. It it feels it feels cheesy. It it's it's so it just feels unnatural even as you're watching it um, to see that runner out there on second. I, not a fan. And and Major League Baseball, you know, the opposite of the NFL. I feel like as far as marketing, some of the decisions that they make. Um, and this is just such a bizarre pandering move in an attempt to, I guess, like you said, quicken the game. But, you know, for, I don't know, I hate it. Can't stand it. Can't even get my words out to describe it. I think it's just a, a kind of a Bush league thing. Um, 
and we'll see. We'll see if it goes away in the in the coming seasons. But yeah, you and I play thirty and over baseball in uh, in Hartford County, and uh, it's a rule that they have once we get to a second extra inning because we have a time limit. Um, right. But it's not it's not baseball in my mind. But with that having been said, I don't hate it because it's benefited the Orioles. And whatever helps the Orioles win, I hate it when the other team scores and the Orioles don't, or the other team comes up, the Orioles scored that run, and they hit a two-run homer because they got a gift runner at second base. But it does speed the game up. It does prevent these 17, 18-inning games. Every now and again, you'll get one that goes 15 innings, but it does prevent it. I don't hate it. I don't love it. Um, it is what it is. What I do hate is seven-inning doubleheaders. We haven't faced that yet. If and when we do, we'll talk about that. Um, but you mentioned it's kind of the opposite of the NFL, where baseball and the NFL are the same, is that they want to protect their top commodities. And the reason that I bring that up is because there was a play at the plate, two plays at the plate. When the Yankees scored the tying run in the eighth inning and when they scored the tying run in the tenth inning, where if the catcher was allowed to block the plate, those, those runs probably don't score. But because you're not allowed to, to block home plate, the Yankees scored the second run of the game to, to tie things up in the eighth and the third run of the game to tie things up in the tenth because Severino's not allowed to block. It's the only base on the diamond that you're not allowed to block. And it's the most important one. And this rule, and the reason I say it's like the NFL, this rule is in place because Buster Posey, who was the face of catching in Major League Baseball when this happened, blocked the plate. Somebody barreled into him and his knee tore off his body. And it's, I get it. You want to protect your top commodities, but this has been a part of the game forever. And I think you need to be able to block the most important base on the field when you can, if you can't block any base, okay. But when you can block every other base and but not home plate, come on, man. You don't have that iconic play in the All Star game with Pete Rose barreling over the catcher to win the game. If you if this rule is in place, I'm not a big fan of that rule. Um, how do you feel about not being able to block the catcher to call the Orioles twice tonight? I mean, I completely agree. I, it, I'm not a fan of of not being able to do that. And and you said it. it in the logical way of you can block every other base. So why wouldn't you be able to block the only base that can result that, that, that results in a, in scoring a run? Um, doesn't make sense. It's all about the optics. Like you mentioned with Posey, um, you know, I, whereas I think the runner on second could be something maybe that they uh, navigate away from at some point, the blocking home plate, I don't foresee them ever going back uh, with, with allowing that just, you know, especially as more uh, research comes out about concussions and the problems that they can have there, um, it's all about the optics, and I don't, I don't foresee that coming back. So, um, but you are right about the putting the runner on second, Paul. It does benefit the Orioles when you're striking out as many times as we are, and you get a free runner at second. No doubt, no doubt that that gives us the, the leg up. You strike out 16 times in a game, you get four hits, just two walks. And you win a ball game because you get a ghost. <laughs> run. I mean, look, the Orioles need to find wins any way they can get them. Uh, if that's how it was, that if that's what it takes to beat the Yankees for the first time in 13 tries to Yankee Stadium, I don't think any of us are going to complain about that. Um, some things that we might be able to complain about here in Baltimore uh, is arguably one of the top two, three stadiums in in baseball, if not the top stadium in baseball. Hasn't had an All Star game since 1993. We know that the Orioles are in a heated dispute with 
uh, the Nationals over the mass and money right now. Um, and Major League Baseball ruled in the Nationals' favor. The Orioles won an independent arbiter. And it's it's this whole thing is still a mess. The Orioles have $100 million locked away in case they have to have to pay this amount of money, but it's still up in the air right now. And AJ, who's been on here already, uh, wants to know why Major League Baseball chose Denver over Baltimore for the All-Star game. MLB is like the modern-day John Elway. Um, look, some people think that it's because um, Major League Baseball, as wrote, Robbie Raymer said, MLB hates us. It's been shown over and over again. No way we were getting the All-Star game. The Orioles were one of t- five teams that were, the, well, when I say the Orioles, the city of Baltimore is one of five cities that was eligible to get the All-Star game this year once it moved from Atlanta. We're not going to get into why it moved from Atlanta. You can go look that up on your own. The Rockies got it, and I'll tell you why the Rockies got it. For one reason and one reason only. The thin air for the home run derby. That's the one reason that the Rockies got it. The ball's not flying out of the ballpark this year like it has in past years because they deadened the baseball um, after they juiced it, even though they denied juicing it. It's, it's been juiced for about three years now. They deadened the baseball. They want home runs. They're at a premium right now. The Rockies got the home run, got, got the All-Star game because of the home run derby. Now, still, I don't think that the Orioles would have gotten it, but that's why. That's why the Rockies got it. What are your thoughts on that? Did you think the Orioles, that the city of Baltimore had any chance of getting the All-Star game? I don't. I still think there's at play um, some bad blood with this Masson uh, stuff that's going on. Um, you know, I, I just didn't personally think that there was a chance that it was coming here. Um, I see Birdland Sports chimed in here that they got the All-Star game because they already had plans on how it would work and they are a National League team. Um, so keeping it with, you know, an NL team, I get. I guess it was their turn. Um, I, I, I just didn't see it coming here. Um, well, that 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 makes that makes sense. But the Dodgers get the All Star game next year, and they're a National League team. So true. true. I, I, I'm not a big believer that it matters which league it is. It, they used to alternate, but they haven't done that in a while uh, because the Dodgers were, are getting it next year. Um, you're, stick, you're sticking with the thin air theory. I, I'm sticking with no look. That's my opinion. I, I, it's not fact. I stated it. Of course. But it's, it's my opinion. I think that they want something to liven up the home run derby because uh, that's been losing steam too. Birdland Sports also, I don't buy the dead ball of stopping home runs. I think it's a cold weather. I, to a certain degree, I can understand that. But how many fly balls did we see hit up in Fenway? And, yeah, it was cold up there. But, the, but on Sunday, it was 57 degrees at game time. Balls that looked like surefire home runs, no matter what the weather is, that are getting caught in front of a 295-foot deep wall in left field. Yeah, it's a little bit of cold air, but it's also a little bit of a, of a dead in baseball because people were pitchers were complaining too much. And again, opinion, not fact, but that's how I see it. Um, yeah, Josh, we know it's you. <laughs> Josh, sure why can't we know it's you, Josh? We we know. Um, but yeah, so now the Orioles getting back to some Orioles baseball here. They come away with that victory, four to three, uh, heartfelt victory. They needed to come away with one. You couldn't win the first three games in Boston, then get swept and come home with any kind of momentum. You coming home now? You won your last game at Yankee Stadium. You're in first place by yourself. You're facing the Red Sox. You're fa- facing a former Orioles farmhand on opening day in Eduardo Rodriguez, who had was supposed to start on opening day 
in Boston, but ha- came down with arm fatigue. Uh, this game tomorrow, it's him against John, uh, not John Means, against Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight. Hopefully the Dark Knight rises. He already sitting at 386 right now. I'm going to beat that nickname into the ground, the Dark Knight rises. Um, what Great you- movie. Great nickname. I love Absolutely. it. What, what are you looking for from this home opener tomorrow as you always come back to Baltimore? You know, if we could just, I'm watching Matt Harvey. That, that's my eyes are on him. I'm hoping to see uh, a, a solid outing. I don't think anyone has these uh, extravagant expectations for him, but just to have uh, another solid outing, give us, give us five, six innings. Um, a quality start would be delicious. Uh, and that's, 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 that's who I'll be watching tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that's who everybody's going to be watching. That and Trey Mancini, and hopefully to see this this offense uh, kind of hit the ground running as soon as they get home. It's going to be nice weather right around 70 degrees and sunny like it was today. So the weather should be perfect for the Orioles to kind of jumpstart this offense. Uh, Matt Harvey, we saw when he was hitting his spots and when he was in the strike zone, uh, in his first start of the year, he was effective. When he started getting a little bit wild there in the fifth inning, um, walking guys, he was less effective. And that's the book on pitching. You know, throw strikes, get people out. Uh, if you want, to, if you're going to throw balls, have them be timely balls or balls that are chaseable. Um, but yeah, I, I, what I'm look, go ahead, go ahead. No, what I I was gonna totally backtrack us, Paul, because I didn't want to forget this before we hop off. How terrible was it seeing Darren O'Day in a Yankees uniform? Oh, you know what, man? I'm gonna catch some flack for this. I don't hate it. I don't. I I I love Darren O'Day. Seeing him bounce back with that 109 ERA last year for the Braves uh, was something I love to see. The Orioles aren't in contention. If the Orioles were in contention this year, and yes, they're in first place right now, but at the end of the season, they're not going to be. So. If the Orioles were in contention, yeah, I would hate it. But it's just like what Steve Molesky asked on extra innings a couple of years ago. The Orioles lost to the Yankees. He goes, does it still hurt to lose to the Yankees? And I called up and I said, no. And he chastised me for it. But I said, no, it doesn't hurt losing to the Yankees because we're supposed to lose to the Yankees. And two, three years from now when we're supposed to be good and not lose to the Yankees, yeah, it'll hurt again. It hurts right now because the Orioles got off to such a good start. But if the Orioles are 25 games below 500. It doesn't hurt. That's why it doesn't hurt to see Darren O'Day. I want him to pitch well. I, I, I agree. Darren O'Day just has such a, a special place. He was a part of that that good run, and I, I just feel like he's an Oriole. And to, just to see him up in, in pinstripes, it just was it's, it's strange. I, I didn't like it. But, yeah, he, certainly going to be in the Orioles Hall of Fame when all is said and done. He's arguably the best reliever in the history of the franchise. There was never a closer. Yes, it's bad seeing Zach Britton. Mike Mussina still breaks my heart him having been in, in pinstripes. I remember I was a senior in high school when he first joined the Yankees. And it was, it was one of the most painful things that I, I'm sorry, I was a, a junior in high school. It was one of the most painful things that I'd ever seen. Uh, Mike Mussina should have been a lifetime Oriole or at least spent two thirds of his career in Baltimore. And now he's in the hall of fame and he doesn't even have a logo on his hat because he spent almost equal time between the two teams. Um, but, you know, that's just something that happened because Peter Angelos, and we won't get into that because that's a whole other. Uh, that's podcast. another. That's there. another podcast. That's another podcast. The last comment that I want to post. How do you feel about this? Kevin Gossman getting the start on opening day and dominating. Mike Yastrzemski becoming an MV, an MVP type player in San Francisco. Dylan Bundy being the number one pitcher out in LA and getting opening day starts. Does that does that bother you at all, Joe? 
Let me tell you why it bothers me, Paul. Because I have Kevin Gossman on my fantasy team, and I left him on the bench today. I completely forgot to start him. Him and Jack Flaherty, both on the bench, and both had, had pretty decent outings. Um, no, it doesn't bother me at all, seeing those guys other places. Um, they're, I actually like to see them pitch well, Gossman and Bundy. Um, I think it's, you know, it's kind of like what you were saying with the Yankees. I don't know why the Darren O'Day thing bothers me, but seeing those guys elsewhere and pitching well, that's good for them. It's it's good to see. Uh, I, I get why Darren O'Day and Pinstripes would bother you. I understand it. And, yeah, I wanted the Orioles to, to crush him when he came in, but that's cause, just because he's a Yankee. It could have been Chad Green that they crushed. It's one of them to, to get the runs. Um, You're so my, understanding. You're so understanding, Paul. Thank you for understanding me. Appreciate that. Kevin Gossman doesn't really bother me because he had the potential here, and he had some good some good years and some good outings in Baltimore. Mikey Stremski doesn't bother me because he's going to be 31 years old in August. He never put up the numbers except for 2014 in the minor leagues to show that he was going to be this player at the major league level, and the Orioles got rid of him because he wasn't brought in by this regime, and they had other guys like Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle and P.J. Stewart and Anthony Santander and Cedric Mullins to play in their outfield. It's a, it's a crowded party, and they didn't need him, and they still don't need him. He's on the wrong side of 30, and when the Orioles are in contention, he's, he, he would have been too old. He would have been 33, 34 years old. He's, he's a weird one. I, I feel like I see his name come up a lot on Orioles social media um, for people saying that, 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 you know, we let him go the set and forth, but I feel exactly like you do. Like who cares? He, he didn't fit the bill for, you know, what we need at this time and you know, can't keep him all. I mean, he's, right. that, 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 he, that is an interesting one that, like I said, I see his name. I feel like pop up a lot and I don't have any emotion or feelings toward him whatsoever. Yeah, and, and, and like, look, the, the year that he put up in 22 homers as a rookie in 2019, the Orioles lost 108 games that year. Mike Yastrzemski's not the difference on this team <laughs> in 2019, so I don't, I don't need to see that guy patrolling right field for the Orioles, especially when that was where Trey Mancini was playing uh, right. in 2019, and Santander in left. I didn't need to see it. So, yes, uh, Jake Arrieta getting a Cy Young with the Cubs bothered me. I felt like the Orioles gave up on him too quickly, and he goes out and he immediately starts dominating with the Cubs. It bothered me. But uh, that's really the only one for the most part. The, the other guys, whatever, man. It, it happens. Go have a good career. Go play well with somebody else because you weren't going to help the Orioles uh, here. So, look, that's pretty much going to do it for us. We're gonna, I'm going to be at opening day tomorrow. Josh Soroka is going to be there too. Um, he said the first person to find him in uh, Section 328 on opening day gets a free Birdland Tonight shirt. So go try to find Josh if you're going to go at the game. I have my Birdland Tonight hat. I might stick in Section 17 with my lady. Um, but Orioles taking on the Red Sox tomorrow after getting a 4-3 victory over the Yankees tonight in Yankee Stadium. You're looking at Eduardo Rodriguez from Orioles Farmhand going up against Matt Harvey in the Orioles home opener. Should be right around 70, 72 degrees in sunny, perfect baseball weather. So we're looking forward to it. Until then, as always, I'm Paul Valley. This is Joe DiBasilio uh, on Birdland tonight. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, Paul. See you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.